This morning, we want to look at the last uh, message in a topical series of messages that have been under the umbrella of relating uh, to one another in the body of Christ. Relating to one another in the body of Christ. And the theme we are looking at this morning in particular is the theme of walking in hospitality. Pastor Alexander Strauch uh, tells a story of a Brazilian man named Mario and how he came to Christ. A Christian by the name of Jim began meeting with Mario uh, for about four years, reading the Bible together as a means of evangelism. Mario eventually, after four years of meeting to read through the Bible, Mario eventually became a Christian. Mario was a Marxist intellectual and a political activist, a very unlikely candidate for someone to become a Christian. But after Mario did become a Christian, Jim asked him, what made him decide to turn his life to begin following Jesus? And here is what Mario said. Remember that first time I stopped by your house? We were on our way someplace together and I had a bowl of soup with you and your family. As I sat there observing you, your wife, your children, and how you related to each other, I asked myself, when will I have a relationship like this with my fiancé? When I realized the answer was never, I concluded I had to become a Christian. Friends, the story of Mario and how God uses hospitality to display in very visible ways what Christian love and Christian relationships look like remind us of the importance of hospitality. So this morning, as the culmination of a series of relating to one another uh, in the body of Christ, we want to look at the theme of walking in hospitality and encourage you to open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. And if you don't have a Bible, you did not bring your Bible, we encourage you to grab the Bible that's in the chair in front of you, uh, black covered Bibles. Uh, we encourage you to grab them and you may find this passage on page number 1016. Uh, 1016. And we'll be re reading from verse 8 to verse 11. 1 Peter 4, 8 through 11. And here's God's word for us this morning. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To whom belong glory and dominion forever and ever Amen. This is the word of the Lord for us. Would you join me in prayer asking God to bless the preaching of the word and the hearing of this word for our hearts. Let's pray.
Father, you are a great God, and we are so appreciative and grateful for the word that you have given to us, which is the only means by which we can know about you, about what you're like, about what you desire from us. Father, I pray that as we have heard your word read at the beginning of this message, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, open our hearts, enable us to hear your word for the glory of Christ and our edification. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Walk in hospitality. I wonder if you noticed how the call to walk in hospitality in this passage is given uh, with an important qualification, without grumbling. Did you notice that? It implies that hospitality, while some people love it and seem to be doing it very naturally, this verse implies that hospitality, at least at times, can be an inconvenience. It can be difficult to do. It implies that there are times when we would rather not do it. It implies that it can trigger the temptation to grumble. How do we deal when such temptations rise to the surface? I mean, can you think of the last time you perhaps were tempted to grumble in the process of doing hospitality? How do you deal with that temptation? Well, I'll tell you the most common way people deal with it. They stop doing it. That's a sure way to stop the grumbling. Just stop doing the hospitality. And while that is a sure way to stop the grumbling, it is not the biblical way to deal with that temptation. How do we not stop doing hospitality to stop the grumbling, but how do we do hospitality and do it without grumbling? Well, friends, this morning, I want us to look at the motivations for hospitality and the how of hospitality. And the main message, the main point of the message today is let's consider the why and the how of cheerful hospitality. Now, let's define what hospitality is. Uh, the biblical word that is used to describe the concept of hospitality is a Greek word that literally means love of strangers. Love of strangers. Now, does that mean that hospitality is only done if you are inviting strangers into your home? No. In our text, the Apostle Peter is encouraging the church to be hospitable with one another. Be hospitable with one another without grumbling. Actually, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew language does not even have a word for hospitality. There's no word for hospitality. 
And yet the concept of hospitality is all over in the Old Testament. It's seen in stories of welcoming others into one's home, of providing food, providing refreshment, providing shelter or protection. One of my favorite Old Testament passages about hospitality is Psalm 23. You will not see the word hospitable in it, but you see the images of hospitality. It starts with describing the Lord as our shepherd, but it ends with the pictures of the Lord preparing a table before us. And the psalmist closes a psalm with the words, and I will dwell in your house. That's hospitality. The hospitality of the Lord. Hospitality means receiving guests and treating them with care. Now, sometimes the guests we're to receive are people we know. Other times, they could be and should be also people that we don't know or don't know well enough. In our text, hospitality, the call to hospitality is to do it to one another. Now, biblical hospitality is not about having an extrovert personality. It's not about loving to have a party. It's not even about how well we can entertain other people. Biblical hospitality is a matter of the heart being open to others. Opening our lives and our homes to others to make them feel welcomed, refreshed, and cared for. So my prayer today is that if, if you're the kind of person who has been doing hospitality, and there's tons of people who are in this category, that you would keep doing it and perhaps give you fresh reasons why to, to keep doing it. If you're in the category in, in which you have never done hospitality or rarely has done hospitality, I pray that this message would encourage you to consider beginning to do hospitality. Motivations for cheerful hospitality. That's point number one. And second, we'll be looking at applications for cheerful hospitality. The, the why and the how of hospitality. The first point that we will look at this morning is motivations for cheerful hospitality. From the text and from its context, we will see four motivations why we should walk in hospitality. And the first motivation is it's how we prepare for the end. It's how we prepare for the end. If we read the passage in, in the context, in the immediate verse that came before it, verse 7, we will notice that it actually starts with Peter giving a claim, a statement. And the statement he gives is, the end of all things is at hand. This means that what motivates Peter to speak about the applications he's going to give in verse 7 and 8 and 9 and 10 and 11 are all flowing out of this one claim. The end 
is at hand. The end of all things is near. This means that the command to show hospitality to each other, to one another, is actually a, an application of the statement, the end is at hand. Now, what difference does this make for hospitality? It means that we prepare well for the end by showing hospitality. We prepare well for the end by showing hospitality. In other words, because we know that the end is near, we are open to receive others into our home and to fellowship with others, those whom we know and those whom we don't know, because the end is near. One of our members in our church, um, I'll, I don't mind saying his name, Carl, um, has told me several times in the, in the course of years here, he has made a statement that has stuck with me. He said, one of our jobs as Christians here on earth is to live in such a way that we minimize our culture shock when we get to heaven. One of our jobs here as Christians is to live in such a way that we minimize the culture shock when we get to heaven. And when we get there, the harmony that we will experience with people that we don't know is going to be stunning. We read in Revelation that people from every tribe, nation, language, and ethnic group will be present and dwelling together with the Lord. That would be a culture shock. But one way we can minimize that culture shock is to begin hanging out together with people that we know and with people that we don't know. And part of that preparation for the end is actually to engage in hospitality, opening your home, opening your life to people you don't know or people that you do know and don't know well enough. And want to get to know better. So the first motivation for hospitality is we prepare well for the end. Another motivation from this passage is that it's a display of love. We should walk in hospitality because it's a display of love. The Apostle Peter speaks about hospitality, but before he does that in verse, in verse 9... He actually, in verse 8, the verse earlier, he speaks about this command of loving one another. He says in verse 8, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. And then in verse 9, he brings up the issue of hospitality. The connection between love and hospitality is really closely linked here. And it's not the only place in the Bible where love and hospitality are closely put together. Listen to Hebrews 13, 1 and 2. The, the writer to the Hebrews says, let brotherly love continue. And then the very next thing he says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Here's the point. Loving one another is displayed through hospitality. Hospitality is a display of love. That's why both 1 Peter chapter 4 and Hebrews chapter 13 put the command to love one another and the command to be hospitable 
right next to each other. Now, in the ancient culture, in ancient times, the, particularly the Greek civilization, the Greek culture, um, made hospitality a very important part of their life together. I don't know if you, you knew that. I did not know until this week. But in the Greek culture, hospitality was a very important part of life. What surprised me was to realize and read that it was, hospitality was a mark of civilization. In other words, you showed that you are a civilized person if you were hospitable. For the Christian, hospitality is a mark, not of civilization, but of love. Pastor Strauch says the following, hardly anything is more characteristic of Christian love than hospitality. Through the ministry of hospitality, we share the things we value most. Family. Home. Financial resources. Food. Privacy. And time. In hospitality, you share all of them at the same time. So ask yourself, if hospitality is a display of love, how well are you loving others? How are you doing in being hospitable, in opening your home to others? Now, some of you in this congregation are doing an incredible job at it. Others, I think we have some room to grow. Consider how are you loving others by showing hospitality. Now, I want to make clear, just because you don't show hospitality doesn't mean that you don't love others. Hospitality is not the only way to love others. But let me, let me tell you what hospitality does to our love. It makes our love to be really close up. Some of you may know this firsthand that some relationships are long-distant relationships. When, when two get together, uh, in some situations, sometimes, the relationship either becomes long-distance when two people end up moving in different parts of the country uh, and want to continue the relationship they have started, or in some situations, that just the relationship starts uh, from the beginning to be long distance. That was the experience I had with Anka. Before Anka and I got married, we had a long distance relationship about, of about a year. She lived in Romania, I lived here. And we tried to do everything possible to, to interact, to see each other, to talk, to be in communion and connection and communication, get to know each other. Uh, we tried to use Skype. Skype was at that time around. Uh, can't imagine what long-distance uh, relationship would look like without Skype these days. Um, but we tried to visit each other, but because of distance, uh, flights were expensive. I was still a college student. And uh, anyway, our ability to actually physically interact in person, having in-person meetings, was very difficult. Uh, those opportunities were rare. 
Now, not being able to see each other and spend time with one another in person during that year, given that we were in, on different continents, was understandable. You know, you do the best you can to cultivate the relationship long distance. But imagine, imagine if we had actually lived in the same city and yet still interacted in a long distant kind of way. That would have been awkward, wouldn't it? To, to live in the same city and actually not to make time to actually visit in person and spend time in person with one another. And, and this is what hospitality actually is. Hospitality is loving one another, not through a long-distance relationship, but loving one another close up. Hospitality is loving others close up instead of long distance, even when you live in the same city. So can you love others without hospitality? Yes, you can. But when you are living in the same city, it becomes a little awkward if the kind of relationships we have with one another feel like they're long distance relationship. Hospitality helps us love others close up. A third motivation why we should consider walking in hospitality is that it's how we serve others. It's how we serve others. And this comes from verse 10 in our text. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now in the Greek language, verse 10 is not a new sentence, but belongs to verse 9. And verse 9 is about hospitality. In other words, when Peter speaks about hospitality, he then moves on to speak about serving others. This means that speaking of hospitality and practicing hospitality is a means of serving others. When we show hospitality, we get to know what people are going through. And we come to learn how we might be able to come alongside one another in more meaningful ways. When someone is going through a difficult time, ask them to come over, to visit with them, to let them share what they're going through. Create an environment when others who are going through difficult times can share of their challenges, share their burdens, if they so wish. Or you can serve others who perhaps, let's say, are, are new members in our congregation. You can invite them over to your house so you can get to know more about their life and journey. Hospitality helps strengthen our ties together as a community of, of Christ followers, as the body of Christ. So do you want to serve others? Consider doing hospitality. As one pastor said it, hospitality is essential to fanning the flames of love as well as strengthening the Christian community. In the Reformation, one of the major reformers uh, in the 1500s was Martin Luther. And he is known uh, not only for the, the theological uh, major blow that he has given uh, to the church at that time, challenging the church at the time to get back to Scripture 
when it came to the doctrine of, of, the, of the gospel, of salvation, how we are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. But Luther was also known for something else that perhaps most of us today, we may not know, but back in the day, he was really known for this other thing, and that was hospitality. Some authors have, who describe Luther's life say it was common to have 30 people housed at one time at, the Luther's, at, the, at, the, at, the, at Luther's household. Though Luther and his wife had 10 mouths to feed with six biological children and four adopted children. This guy was reforming the church, re-leading a reformation that swept throughout Europe. He had six children, four adopted children, and he still had time and resources to, to feed and house 30 people at one time. And yet others speak about Luther towards the end of his life that they struggled financially. He, when Luther knew that he was close to his death, he wrote to his wife or spoke to his wife. And she, he said to her, my dear Kate, I have nothing in worldly goods to bequest to you, but I have a rich God. Him I leave to you. He will nourish you well. This is the guy who would have 30 people at his house. Hospitality is not about having a big house or money. It's about expressing care for others and serving them in their needs. An open home, said a pastor, is a sign of an open, caring heart and a generous, giving spirit. Friends, we serve one another when we open our homes to each other. I love the story. Nathan, are you still here? Nathan Wallace. Um, he was here this weekend. He might be here with us. Um, Nathan, when he was a student here, he, he did something that began um, increasing the hospitality among us. Nathan used to invite himself <laughs> over our houses. He would just tell people, members of the church, hey, can I, can I come over your house? One family even told me that they loaded up with bratwurst in their uh, deep freezer so they would have it available anytime Nathan would just say, hey, can I come over to your house? One time, one time, um, he showed up at the Deacon's place, and I just, I was reminded of that last night, that actually it was the first time Nathan came over the Deacon's household. He came with a basket full of stuff. It was his laundry basket. And he said, can I do my laundry here? You may find that weird. But can I just say weird stuff like that happens here. College students, don't be afraid to do that kind of stuff. But, but let me say it this way. That kind of weird stuff should happen in Christian communities. Our homes are a place to serve each other. 
Our, our homes are embassies of the kingdom of God. Nobody has to shut that down. You don't have to get out. You can keep it open. How sad when we don't. How sad when we keep it to ourselves. Friends, hospitality is a great way to turn your home into an embassy of the kingdom of God. Showing love to others and serving one another. And fourth, a fourth motivation. We've seen that three motivations is how we get ready for the end. It's how we show love to one another. It's how we serve one another. A, short, a fourth motivation, and this is perhaps the best one of all. It's how we reflect God. It's how we reflect God. Did you notice in this passage that the, that the idea of hospitality is a command? Show hospitality to one another. Other translations have it, be hospitable to one another. And it's like a biblical command, not only for some Christians, but for all Christians. Actually, hospitality is a key characteristic of the Christian life and of the Christian church. So much so that those who are considering to be pastors of a church must first show evidence of hospitality. Hospitality is actually twice brought up as a biblical qualification for pastors or elders in the church. We see that in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. Does that mean that only pastors are called to do hospitality? No. Everybody's supposed to do it. So much so that the practice of hospitality was on the qualifications list also for those who would be widows on the widow's church list. If you are going to be enlisted for support, especially in ancient times when there was no retirement funds governed by the state, if you're a widow and if you didn't have family, it was very, very difficult. So the church for such widows would keep a widow's list so that the church could regularly support the widows financially to be able to sustain their livelihood. And in order to make it on the widow's list, there were some qualifications. It was not enough that you were a widow to make it on that list. Not every widow made it on that list. In order to be on that list, one of the qualifications was that the lady who was a widow, or the man who was a widow, but the late spoken of, of a lady, had to have already shown hospitality as a believer prior to being a widowhood. In other words, even to be added on the church's widow list for regular support, if you are not showing hospitality, your Christianity was being called into question. That's how important hospitality was and is for being a Christian. Now, why do I bring that up? Because it shows how significant God thinks of hospitality. If pastors have to show it in order to qualify for it, if widows have to show it in order to be qualified on that list, we see that the whole church is actually called to be hospitable. Why would God care so much about hospitality as being a part of people's lives, about the regular life of the church? Because God himself is a hospitable God. Hospitality reflects well on who God is. So when Christians 
show hospitality, it's a reflection on who God is. Let me give you a few examples from the Old Testament. Isaiah 55, God describes his invitation for people to come to him, to be restored back to him. And he uses this imagery, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. And God goes on and says that he's inviting people to come and eat without money. This is an invitation of a host who's inviting people to come to him and he is preparing a banquet to satisfy those who come to him. Perhaps the greatest image of God being a host is Revelation 19. At the end of time, God is preparing a meal, a banquet, a celebration, and is inviting people to it. Revelation 19.9, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Well, friends, here's the point. God commands us to be hospitable both individually and as a church because God himself is hospitable with us. His very salvation and the call of salvation is presented as an invitation to eat and to drink, which satisfies our souls. Now, you may wonder, what, what is the food that God provides us with? What is the food that he gives us? What is the drink that he, he gives us to drink? At one point, while Jesus was on earth, he said to his disciples, if you don't eat my flesh, if you don't drink my blood, you have no part with me. God has provided as food and as drink for us his very son, Jesus, that we would partake of him so that as we partake of Christ, we would be invited into God's hospitality. Oh, friends, what God did to make himself hospitable to us and to invite us to his banquet is to provide the richest of all provisions that he could ever provide. And that's Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. And through his life and through his death on the cross, God is providing a means to receive rebellious sinners and estranged people who have turned our backs towards God, who have walked away from God, who have lived our lives independently of God. He wants to bring them back home. He wants to bring you and I back home to him. But the way to be invited into his hospitality is through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Oh, friends, if God, has, if God had not shown us his hospitality in this way through Jesus Christ, none of us, none of us could be invited. None of us could be given access to that banquet that he's preparing for us at the end of the age. 
But friends, because God has given us Jesus, we now has, have the freedom and have the invitation to come to him knowing that he will receive us and that he will feed us and that he will satisfy the hunger of our hearts. Well, friends, consider that the greatest reminder of the hospitality of God is the Lord's Supper. And we get to practice that regularly in the life of this church. And we get to practice that even today, later in our service. The Lord's Supper is an invitation to partake of the supper that the Lord has provided and is providing for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Hospitality, my dear friends, is such a big deal of our salvation. That's why when we eat and drink symbolically of the body and blood of the Lord that He has broken for us and He has shed for us, we are reenacting, we are remembering, we are living practically what it means to experience the salvation of God. Hospitality for us is a reflection of the hospitality of God that He has given to us in Jesus Christ. So friends, hospitality is not a hobby for believers. Hospitality is not a hobby for believers. It's a command from God. And when we fail to show hospitality, consider the fact that it becomes a sin of omission. Many of the sins that we do are sins of commission. We do what we are not supposed to do. But there are some sins that are sins of omission. When we fail to do it, we sin. So when we fail to do hospitality, it is actually a, a sin, a, a falling short of what God commands us to do. Well, my dear friends, I want to encourage us to consider that hospitality is, is a way we reflect God himself. That's why it's a command for us to do. That's why it's such a big deal for us to consider doing. So we've considered the motivations for why we should do hospitality. It's how we prepare for the end. It's how we display love. It's how we serve one another. It's how we reflect the character of God and His salvation. One of the ways you and I can build relationships, even with non-believers, is inviting them into our homes. Consider that hospitality presents the character of God not only to each other, but even to the world around us. Uh, and in that way, hospitality is like an embassy for the kingdom of God. But how do we show hospitality? We've looked at the motivations and the why of hospitality, but how do we show hospitality? Let me encourage us with a few applications. First of all, begin with intentionally examining your heart to open your heart to others. Ask God to expose any roots of selfishness or any roots of fears. Fears of, I've never done this. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how it's going to work. Ask God to expose any fears that could be keeping you away from growing in hospitality. The spirit of hospitality must be started with prayer and with our hearts. But the spirit of hospitality can be cultivated even outside the home. 
Have you considered that a way to, to show hospitality to others, even outside the home, is considering to arrive early to church and staying late after the service? Not rushing out as soon as the service is done. Just stay, staying around another five, ten minutes. Be open to be talking to people. Be open to meet a stranger. Be open to connect with those who you don't know. Hospitality, a heart of hospitality begins even in that margin of time you give before and after the service to come and meet and connect with people. Or consider being willing to meet with others during the week. Depending on your schedule, uh, if you have a lunch break, consider making a point once a week to meet up with, a, with another person. Start with other members in this congregation or visitors or those who are attending here. But consider making your lunch available. If that's not an option, perhaps your early breakfast or early coffee or late afternoon after you get off of work or, or night in the week. One of the relentless obstacles for hospitality is our busyness. Our busyness is one of the relentless obstacles of, person, of, our, of our desire to do hospitality. So here's another point. It's hard to do hospitality if you're not planning for it. It's hard to do hospitality if you're not planning for it. Keep some evenings open in your schedule so you can prioritize inviting people over. Or when someone else is suggesting that they love to come over and spend time with you, you can actually have a night you can suggest. Keep one of your nights open on your, on your calendar. You may also consider inviting people on Sunday after church for lunch to your home. Now, this would require a little bit of preparation on Saturday. And if a lot of people want to come more than you've prepared for, don't be afraid to say, hey, would you mind stopping at H-E-B and grabbing an extra plate of a, of a salad or a, a rotisserie chicken or something? Because we have, instead of five people, we're having 15 people over. Be okay to ask for help. Be okay to even say, hey, I wanna, we want to invite a few folks over, and I'm a little, I don't know how it's going to go. Would you mind helping me and plan this together? Don't be afraid to reach out to someone else in our congregation to say, hey, we'd like to do something, invite some folks over, and I'd love to do it with someone else. Here's another way to consider plan your holidays strategically. Think of the holidays strategically, especially for those who don't have families in town. Consider to invite them over if they're not going back home. One of the ministries that we've had a few years ago, we've tried it, and I hope we can do it again, is consider reaching out to international students on the UT campus. Uh, who do not, cannot afford to go back for Thanksgiving. We had that a few years ago where um, we invited a few Arab students who are in the Arab program to come and spend Thanksgiving with us, uh, with a few families, not just our family, but a few families from the church. It was the first time they said they've ever entered into an American home. It made a difference for them. Consider using your holidays. Now that takes a little planning, but prioritize it. It has opportunities to serve others and make others feel welcomed and loved and appreciated. Well, friends, our hospitality should not be focused on what we are serving. The hospitality should not be so focused on what we are serving on the table. I get it. Some of us want to be really go out of our way to do it, and some are really good at that. But for, for most of us, 
it's burdensome. So don't make it extravagant. Don't make it laborious. Think of simple ways. Think simple. Think warm, not lavish and laborious. Um, I love it. Um, a few years ago, we had a number of students who decided to have a ramen noodle party. Just ramen noodle, 45, nine cents. Just get a few of those from HEB and invite people over to a ramen noodle party. It doesn't have to be expensive. Don't think that you have to prepare all the food. Perhaps just invite people for a dessert. Or just talk to others to say, hey, let's do it potluck style. Let's come over and spend some time together. And if everybody wants to bring something, let's just spend time together. Friends, if prepping is a challenge, come and talk to us. We'd love to come alongside you and help you grow in hospitality and, and, and help you take those steps. Sometimes people say, I'll prepare the food. I just don't know how to, how to sort of lead the time together. Well, this is where just reach out and let us know where you are. And we'd love to help you, encourage you, and, uh, and support you in growing in hospitality. You may want to consider reading up on how to grow in hospitality. I'm so glad our women this summer read the book by Rosaria Butterfield. Uh, the gospel comes with a house key. I mean, just that title tells it. The gospel comes with a house key. Now, Rosaria's approach is a little radical. Uh, but, but it'll push you. It'll push us. Uh, there's also another sweet book called The Hospitality Commands by Alexander Strauss. But cultivate read up on, talk to people about how to grow in hospitality. If you see new people visiting the church, do you take time to welcome them? Do you take time to get to know them? Invite them to lunch or invite them to meet up during the week. Our willingness to reach out to those who we don't know shows so much about our heart for hospitality. Members, consider opening up the church directory. And just looking over it and say, who are the people that I've never invited into my home? Just look at the, on the church directory and look who are the people who have not yet been to your home. And consider prioritizing those. I bet that there are some strangers that you can find in the membership directory. When we have missions partners coming and visiting us, like Ruth Fulmer, or when the Fulmers were here, I was so glad Russ opened his home to receive the Fulmers and to stay at his house for a while. Uh, when other missionaries or ministry partners come and visit, whether it's for a longer time or a short time, consider opening your home to get to know them. Invite them over. Hear their life stories, what they're going through, their joys and challenges. Younger members, consider reaching out to homebound members who you've never met. Older members, some of you have told me that you no longer get to know or have not known the new members that have been joining. Well, get to know the, the new strangers who have become members in our church. There's so many ways we can do this together. Well, friends, consider that hospitality is not only being open to extend invitations to others, but it's also initiating invitations to go and visit them. Just like Nathan did. Hey, I'd love to come by and spend some time with you. If you don't feel like others are, are initiating the invite to invite you in, I just want to tell you as your pastor that in this church, it is okay to invite yourself into other people's homes. And if some of you are not members, feel that weird and strange, and they're like, I don't think I can join this church. Well, friends, you can go to other churches and try to be a stranger. And you'll probably be okay there. 
But here we don't want to be okay to be strangers to one another. Pastor Sabitia Nebulai, in one of his books, tells a story when he was visiting a church for the first time. Um, and a member of that church invited him over for lunch. And he thought it was really weird. Like he was not used to that. To go to lunch in his home, first time visiting, really weird. Well, eventually, the Lord actually drew that pastor, Pastor Tabiti, to join that church. So he became a member of that church. And years later, the man who had invited him that first Sunday, his name was Jim. That man ended up moving to a different town. So the church had a final sort of testimony uh, for him uh, to give a, a going-away testimony on his final Sunday. And part of the testimony, the pastor of the church asked the church for anyone who had been invited into Jim's home to stand up. 400 people stood up. 90% of the church. Now you might be thinking, he must have been retired. And all the kids were out of the house. No, he was not retired. Um, he must have lived close to the church. No, he didn't live close to the church. He had six kids in the home and lived 45 minutes away from home, from the church. Hospitality is not a matter of convenience. Hospitality is not a matter of being in the right stage of life to be able to do it. Hospitality is a matter of the heart. That's why before we consider the how of hospitality, consider the motivations. It's how we prep for the end. It's how we display love. It's how we serve one another. It's how we reflect God. When our hearts are set on opening our lives to others, we will begin finding creative ways to show hospitality to one another. So my dear friends, if you have experienced the hospitality of God shown to us in Jesus Christ, let's show hospitality to one another. Let's pray.